Yeah, Dave's a good friend. I'm so thankful for you and Susie, and uh, they're a gift. And you sometimes wonder, are people the real deal? Is what you see what you get? And they're the real deal. You know, just thankful to be journeying with you guys. My name is Alex Rahill, and I'm so glad to be here. I want to thank you for your hospitality and uh, your love yesterday, and I'm looking forward to sharing today. I just want you to know something right out of the gate. God has something for you today. You ever go to church and wonder, I wonder if this is going to be for me or not, right? Sometimes you do that. You're like, this is for you. God has something for you. Would you turn to the person next to you, give him a fist bump and go, hey, by the way, this is for you. Okay. Right. This is for you. We're going full contact. And uh, I wasn't raised like uh, in church. I mean, I was a priester. Uh, um, and uh, uh, so I would go Christmas and Easter, Catholic church. And so if I do stuff here and you're just like, what is he doing? That's not how we do it. Just go, oh, yeah, he doesn't know how we do things here. So just give me some grace. We're going to have some fun. But we're going to hear about the heart of God today. It is awesome. And then when, you, when we hear, when we look into God's word, it's, we're really going to be impacted by how awesome it is. I want to give you a picture here. This is my family. Um, I'm uh, married to Marcy, who is way better than me. So that's me on the side, and that's my wife, Marcy. My firstborn son is Alex and his wife, Amber. The beautiful girl in the middle is Kaylee. She's my youngest daughter, great worship leader. And then uh, her arms around Jenna and uh, my son, Dylan. And then uh, Mark Hale is uh, in front of Lucas. Lucas is massive. You're going to hear about Lucas today. Lucas looks like Thor, okay? And he's engaged to Mark Hale. And you say, that's pretty nice, but let me just show you the gem. The shining gem of my family right now is Lily Catherine. Look at her. Just Yeah, one more time. Oh, you can just feel that. That girl is woo, awesome. Creating the very image of God, loved by God. Well, as Dave said, uh, we both, um, and uh, can I just do one? I'm on the clock, right? I'm just checking to see. I just see a negative number, so I don't know if it's counting down. Thanks for having me. I love you all. God bless. Uh, so Dave and I actually, we met back uh, 20, 15, 20 years ago at in Michigan, we were there and, and Dave and Susie were married and we were all planting new, starting new churches around the same time. Real busy. And so uh, my, we were planting at, uh, in um, Canton in, in an area outside of Detroit. And, uh, you know, you, you, you're a church and you're just all there and you're loving people and you're with them. And uh, so I was driving home from church in the early days of our church. We met in a school. And I pull into my driveway. My, my wife and I would often drive separately because we had other things going on and we had some people coming over. And so I was, you know, finishing up and I, I get home and I, I get out of the car and I, I get in the house and, and I go, uh, okay, uh, what, what do we got next? And, and, and my wife looks at me and says, where's Lucas? And I said, what do you mean where's Lucas? Lucas is with you. You know, I just showed you all my kids. You know, Lucas is, this, you know, big. I said, no, what do you mean, where's Lucas? And she said, no, no, I remember I was, you were in the lobby talking to people, and I said, honey, Lucas is doing this. Take, bring him home with you. And I said things that are not in the dictionary. I was like, holy, oh, my gosh. Yeah, can you feel that panic? I mean, panic. My wife is looking at me like, 
what did you do to our son? And I said, okay. And, and I, I ran out of the house. I got in the car. I drove back to the school and I'm freaking out. And I, I, I go into the lobby. That, fortunately, the school was still unlocked. The janitor had not locked up. And I, and, I, and I said, Lucas, where are you? Nothing. Now, it go, I'm just dials up another level. I go into the, the gymnasium, which is the auditorium. And I, Lucas, where are you? He's not there. I go running down the hall. Our kids' ministry was separated from where we did our lobby and our, our auditorium. I go running down the hall, and I'm yelling, Lucas, where are you? And he comes out of a classroom door, and he says, here I am, Dad. Oh, Lucas. And I, I hug my son, and my, my leader of my kid, kids' ministry was there. And I, I was just overcome with relief and gratitude. What would you have done if that was your child? Same thing? Well, you wouldn't have went in and sat down on your, your lazy boy and, and had some nachos and said, well, they'll find their way home. <laughs> Even the worst parent wouldn't do that, right? Let me ask you another question. Have you ever lost something that mattered to you. Maybe it wasn't as big a deal as, as what I just shared. And, um, but it was valuable enough for you to, to do something. It was your car keys. Like you're all checking your car keys now. Did you keep the car keys? Right? Or maybe it was your, your wallet or, or, or some valuable or your phone, right? Now it's hard to lose your phone because it's become to like people's hands, right? Like it's like, I'm a, how did you feel? What, I want you to think about the feeling when you realized you lost that thing. How did you feel? You can yell it out, by the way. Sick. Yeah. What? Aw, snap. Okay, that's a good word. What did you do? What did you do? Searched. You immediately went looking for it. Maybe you've lost something more significant today. Maybe you're estranged from someone who is really important to you. Maybe you're, you're not close to your child and you wish you were and you're separated from them and you feel like you've lost that relationship or a spouse. Maybe you've lost a parent or a close friend. How does that make you feel? Sick, right? This ache, this longing, right? And you know what you want to do. You know what probably what you should do, which is what? Call them up, reach out to them, try to be reconciled to them. And maybe you've tried those things. Maybe you haven't done that. You know, one of the hardest things I ever have had to counsel people with in pastoral ministry is when someone has been estranged from a parent or a child and that person dies. And they have this deep regret that they hold on to. Because they've lost them and they can't reconcile the relationship. They can't get them back. And you say, why is this so important, Alex? And I'm going to tell you because people often, I, again, I, I had so many people who um, I was fortunate enough to help find faith in Christ. And I continue to do that. I love seeing people come to faith in Christ. And they open the Bible and they go, second hesitations, what's that? You know, our Revelation 23, I don't know even where these things are. It's like, what do these funny words mean? 
And I said, here's the Bible in one sentence. You want to know what this whole book is about? It's about one simple thing. I'll give you two simple things. Because first and foremost, it's about the love of God for you. It's for you. But that love got broken. And the whole rest of the Bible is about this simple one sentence phrase. God lost something and he wants it back. God lost something and he wants it back. He lost the love relationship with you and with me. And he wants it back because he created you. He loves you. He longs for you. He made you for himself. And he has a sick feeling that will never be resolved in his heart or life until he gets you back. And if you don't understand that, you will never understand the Bible. You see, a lot of people think the Bible is a mystery novel. Some people think it's a science book. Others treat it like an encyclopedia. But really, the Bible is a love story about a God who loves you. And that's why Jesus, when Jesus came, he said, hey, there's only one command that matters. Everything else is, is details. And we talked about it yesterday. Anybody, anybody know what that command is? Love. Love God and love others. Love your neighbor. That's it. And why is that? Because God has created you and I for relationship. He made you for a love relationship. That's why this, that's the most important thing in your life. Your relationships are the most important thing in your life. And when they're good, you feel like things are good. And when they're not good, it doesn't matter what else you have, right? They're not good. And that's the great story of the scripture. And if you understand that, you can read the rest of the book and understand what it's about. And we're going to look at that a little bit. But this God lost his beloved children and he will not rest until he brings them home. I'm a bad dad and I didn't rest till I got my son home. And the reason that my son got lost was because of me. <laughs> the only difference between the story I told you in the Bible is this. The we, us, us children ran away from home. We ran away from home. But God's still eager to pursue us. And people use this word. When we join God on the mission he has for us, there's a word. It's called evangelism. And it, some people like it. Some people don't like it. Here's the beautiful word. Is the word actually means good news. And I always tell people, if your good news isn't good news, then you don't know the good news. The good news is God loves you so much and he wants to bring you home. And I don't know what's, how that can't be awesome. And when we share with God in that mission of sharing the good news uh, with others, that's evangelism. And, and if you were to tell, if you were to say, what does that mean? It means anything you and I do to help a person take one step closer to Christ, one step closer being backed home with God is evangelism. And that's what every good church is trying to do. That's what K2 is trying to do. They want to help people be able to find God. And if you go back to the beginning of the Bible, it's the, the first book in the Bible is called Genesis. And the story starts like this. God in his goodness made this world. And uh, I don't know what your name is. He was, you were telling me about the thing. I call these things mountains. Uh, yesterday I said, man, I looked at, I got up today and I looked out the window and I went like, God, you're so awesome. The sun was shining, which was great, right? And I'm looking at these mountains and I go, do they, people get to look at this every day out here? Because I'm from Detroit. It's like a pancake, right? You go, hey, is that a mountain or a hill over there? No, that's a Ford. 
it must be an F-150 because that hill's pretty big. And I'm looking out there, and I want you to understand something. You read the beginning of the Bible. God in his love created this world. Uh, He made it so beautiful. He created the sun and the moon and the stars. He created these mountains, and he said, mountain, boom. And there was a mountain for you. said, ocean, and there it was. And God made this beautiful world. You know who he made it for? For you. God made the world for us. As a gift to live, to flourish, to thrive. You know who he made us for? Himself. That's the whole story. He gave us a relationship. He made us for himself and created us to have this love relationship with him. He made us for one another and so that we could be connected and loving each other. And then he gave us this world to flourish in, to be fruitful, to increase, to advance his heart and his purposes on the earth. But something happened. Like most relationships, Adam and Eve decided not to trust in God's goodness or trust in his word. He said, here's my word. Uh, God said, you're free. You're free. You're free. You see that tree? You're free. You see that water? You're free. You see those animals? You're free. And, and, And it says, you are free to eat every single thing here. But there's one tree. I always call it the wedding ring of the relationship. There's one tree I don't want you to eat from. And every time you walk past that tree and you don't eat from that tree, you see all these other trees eat from, you just say, you know what? I'm not going to eat from that tree because I love God. And it's my one chance. The only thing he said, just don't do this thing. This is the only thing. Okay, I love you, God. And enjoy the rest of creation. And Adam and Eve decided not to trust in God's goodness. They thought he was keeping something from them. And he was sin, death, and destruction. You remember, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's trying to keep that from them. They were going to get ripped off. They were going to get killed. They were going to get destroyed if they ate from that tree. And they chose not to trust God's goodness and protection. And they chose not to trust his word. And they sinned. They went against God. They turned their back. They disobeyed. And that sin was like an earthquake. It just exploded and it damaged everything. Think about a beautiful mirror. If I was holding up a mirror right now and I took a hammer and I smashed the mirror. Sin, what it did is it distorted and shattered everything so that nothing is as clear as it was intended from the beginning. Sin, like a hammer, broke everything. And it broke our relationship with our world. We say, why is there disease and all these other things? We're told that the earth groans because looking forward to the redemption God's going to bring. It's still a beautiful world, but it's broken. Uh, Sin broke our relationship within ourselves. You think and you say, why do I have anxiety? Why do I have depression? Why do I have guilt? Why do I have shame? All that stuff that's in here that no one can see. And you're like, why is all this junk in me? Sin. It broke our our relationship within ourselves. We're not whole anymore. We're broken. Sin broke our relationship with one another. You say, why can't people get along? Why can't that couple, it just seems like they have it all. Why can't they get along? Or our family, why can't our family get along? Or why can't our world get along? It seems like it shouldn't be this complicated. Sin. It broke everything. 
And then there was our relationship with God. And you're all here and I'm all here because guess what? God gave you an immortal soul. There, you have a spiritual part of who you are. It's part of your being. And you know it and you feel this longing and you have this sense that there's something there. And yet you feel like I'm not accessing it. I, it's, it, I feel like it's beyond my reach. This life that I sense deep down is there. Why can't I get a hold of that? Sin. Sin. It broke everything. Every good thing we were created for flows from our relationship with God. And sin, it broke that relationship and shattered everything. And so you got to say, like, imagine your kids did this. You created this perfect world for them. It's like someone you made, or don't even think of them as your kids. You made this beautiful thing, and they broke it all, and they ruined it all. What would be your temptation to say? I know what my temptation would be to say. What would you say? Get out. Yeah, thank you for being so honest. Hey, it's okay to tell the truth here, by the way. You don't have to have like some kind of religious thing you're supposed to think you're doing. I'd be like, okay, forget you then. And walk away. And this is when I go, man, God, you're so awesome. Who does this? Because that's what I would have done. I would, I would have said, forget it. And maybe you would have said that too. Or maybe I would have said, wipe the whole thing out. Let's just start over again. Or I would have walked away, and that's what I would, I would just forget you. And what does God do? I want you to see something, because I wanted to build up to this, because sometimes, again, read the Bible, and they miss it. And right after this seismic, screw you, God, because that's what the kids said. Sorry, I'm, that's um, Greek for, <laughs> it's actually Hebrew, but just, you don't. but um, they sinned and said they rebelled against God. You say, what did God do? What did God do? What did God do? And I want you to see the heart of God. I want you to feel the heart of God this morning. It's for you. It's for me. It's for us. Adam and Eve are hiding because they know what they did, right? You ever have your kid do something wrong and then they automatically know, like, go hide. They're in the closet. They're hiding. And the Lord God called out to the man and the woman he made in his very image. And he said, where are you? Where are you? Who does that? They sin. They basically say, forget you, God. And the very first words, this is the first words recorded after the fall. It is a huge statement. Is God is seeking and saving his lost children. It's the first thing he does. You say, and you hear this word mission, and mission means sent with intent, because God is a missional God. He's on a mission to advance, to, to bless his kids, to advance his works on this earth, and for us to join him in that. And right from the beginning, you see God as the first missionary, seeking and saving his lost children. That's what his goal is. He knows something, God, he knows it's been broken, and he's seeking them out. Where are you? You say, Why? Because God lost something, and he wants it back. And, you know, you maybe you've come to church or read your Bible, but you're, well, that doesn't make sense to me, because God's got all the omnis, right? He's omnipresent. He's everywhere, right? He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. There's another omni. What is it? Um, I know. Omniscient. Thank you. He knows right where they are. He didn't lose their location. He lost the relationship. Right? You're estranged from that person you love. You know where they live. 
You didn't lose their location. You lost that love relationship. And your heart won't be settled until you get it back, until you're reconciled, until it gets made right. And this is why we say God's a missional God, because he's seeking and saving, looking out for his lost children. He's on a mission to bring people back into a relationship and restore their brokenness. He wants to heal all the things I mentioned that are broken. And this is why we say God's a loving God, because love is doing what's ever best for the beloved. And what's the best thing for you and for me? It's to be reconciled to God. So we can flourish. We can't flourish without that. This is God's why. This is the whole motivation behind why God does everything else from Genesis to Revelation in the Bible. He wants the people he loves to be brought back into a relationship with him. That makes sense, right? So it makes sense, and this is where, again, sometimes people read Jesus, and I I love this, and you read the Gospels, and you're like, why did Jesus say that thing, right? You ever do that? Like, it's, oh, that's a Jesus, that's a Jesusism. Why does he answer a question with a question? I don't get that. That's weird. Why does he call himself the son of man? That's weird. And Jesus comes on a mission, and I want us to see this, because Jesus is God incarnate. It's God with, he's God with a bod. The father sends the son. And the son's on a mission. Is the mission going to be different than what the father said? No. So Jesus says, and, and this is a great study to do in your, in your Bible. Jesus gives purpose statements. He says, this is why I came. And if you're following Jesus and you want to know, understand what to do, you should know why he came. John 10, 10 said, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. Jesus wants you to have a life today. He wants that for you. He, he may have brought you here today so you could have a life. That life you're looking for, he wants you to have that. Mark 10, 45 says this. Jesus said, I've come as a ransom. You know what? What's a ransom? It's something to pay because someone's a prisoner, a captive. and, And you pay the ransom in order to what? Set them free. Jesus came to give you life. Jesus came to give you freedom. And then in Luke 19, we see this really cool thing. And uh, he deals with this guy, Zacchaeus. And you may be thinking, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You don't, you don't understand my life. I, I'm, I'm a pretty messed up person. I've done some bad things. So Jesus is in, in Luke 19 is entering this place called Jericho. And he's, it says he's passing through. And there's a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. And he's very wealthy. And a tax collector would be like a government-endorsed drug dealer. Okay? Just think about someone who could make a lot of money and not get in trouble with the government, but you would hate. So the Romans are occupying. Zacchaeus, rather than be loyal to his own people, is working for the occupying army, the occupying government, and he's extracting money from his people in taxes. But he takes more because he can. And so everybody hates him, and he's viewed as a traitor. And it says he was the chief tax collector. So guess what? This guy's wealthy and he's achieved a lot of status in life. Maybe you're here today. You go, man, I've, I'm, I'm a CEO or I've, got, I've made money. I've got my promotions. I'm wealthy. I'm a person of stature. People respect me or, or, or look up to me. And look at what it says. Because I think Zacchaeus was actually having a midlife crisis. 
And you know, a midlife crisis is when you've climbed the ladder that the world gives you and you realize you were climbing on the wrong wall. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm at the top and there's nothing here. And you suddenly realize, what if I've lived my life for the wrong things? And there's nothing wrong with having a good job and all that, but the end goal was just messed up. And so look at what it says here. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to look at some scripture. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Verse 4, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, now is this not, yep. So when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, now look at this, I want you to pay attention to this. Jesus is walking in Jericho. Zacchaeus ran ahead of him because he was so eager to see Jesus, but he doesn't want to be seen. He just wants to, and he climbs a tree and Jesus is, crowds all around Jesus, right? You know, how many of you wonder if Jesus even would pay attention to you, Right? Can you raise your hand? Do you ever wonder if Jesus pays attention? I do. How, you know, come on. And Jesus gets to the spot. And look at what it says. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus is this sinful, broken guy who's achieved certain things in his life. And I want you to pay attention. Jesus is seeking Zacchaeus. And Jesus sees him. And Jesus knows his name. And Jesus begins a relationship with him. Jesus gives him an invitation. Because what can Zacchaeus say when Jesus says, come down immediately? What's, what, what can be the answer? This isn't right. No! I don't, no, you're not coming to my house, you vagabond preacher. And let me get cut to the end of the story because we can't tell you the whole story right now. And J- Jesus saves Zacchaeus. Jesus saves Zacchaeus. He saves him from his sin. And before we move on, can I just tell you something? I don't know where you're at today in this room, but Jesus is seeking you. That's why you're here. You're like, no, 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 no. My wife dragged me here, or my friend did. It's the baptism. They said, oh, you got to come. I I don't even believe this stuff. I want you to know something. Jesus is seeking you. And Jesus sees you. And Jesus loves you. This is why he's on the mission, right? He loves you. He knows what you've done. He knows all the messed up stuff. Sin is not something he's unfamiliar with. He's going to pay for it all. And Jesus knows your name. And Jesus is giving you an invitation today. Come down. I would love to start a relationship with you. And you have an opportunity to say yes or no to him today. And my prayer is you say yes. That's the life you and I are looking for. But let me get to the punchline because people are criticizing Jesus. They go, what? You're being a guest of sinners. That guy, you know who that guy is? You know how dirty he is? Jesus goes, oh, I know exactly who he is. And you know who he is today? He's the son of Abraham. And you know, Abraham was 
credited righteousness because he had faith. Zacchaeus put his faith in Jesus. He goes, he's the son of Abraham. And today's salvation has come to his house because he's put his faith in me. I know exactly who he is. And then as Jesus is receiving all this, Jesus says this, you guys don't understand. I'm the son of man. And Jesus loved identifying with humanity, us, people. He said, for the son of man came to do this. This is my purpose. This is my mission to seek and save what? The lost. The lost. See, remember Genesis 3, 9. Where are you? The father's seeking for the lost. He sends the son. The son comes. He goes, this should not be a surprise to you. This has been the whole story. I'm here for you. I've come to seek and save the lost. Now, I want to disabuse you of a term that has been misused. I want to reclaim it because it's an awesome term. Do you know what lost means? Okay, so I lost my son, right? Remember the story? Why did I go look for him? There's two reasons why I went to look for him. Why did I go look for him? Because I love him. And why else? You guys are doing great. So let me tell you why lost is so awesome. I loved him. Lost denotes two things that you need to hold on to. It means you're so valuable. God is going to go out looking for you. You don't look for things that aren't valuable. So how many of you have lost like a paper out of your pants and everything else? And, you know, or you flew out the window when you were driving. And you're like, oh, I feel really bad because I polluted. But you didn't stop the car and go get that thing. <laughs> now, if it was your diamond ring, you would have... Right? Why? The only difference was value. The only reason you ever go looking for something lost is because it's valuable to you, important, or you love that. So lost means value. And listen to this other one. Lost means you belong. Something that's lost is supposed to be in its rightful place, and it's not in its rightful place, and it, nothing will be right until we take that, help that person find their way home. My son Lucas, his rightful place was in our home, in our family, and until he was back there, there nothing was going to be okay. And you need to know something. God says, you belong. And you're like, you don't understand. I'm awkward. I feel alone. You belong. And you're valuable. And Jesus came to seek you because you're valuable and you belong. I came to seek and save that which I love and is valuable and belongs, you and me. This is the heart of God. Are you, pick, are you catching the heart of God here? It's awesome. It's amazing. And then Jesus models something that should matter to every one of us here. Because we're either in the process of being found by God or we're on a mission joining him to find others. And Jesus shows this. He models that if you're a child of the Father, you join the Father on the Father's mission. You can't be a child of God and not be on mission with God. It means you're either not right with God, you haven't come to faith yet, or you're not right with God. Those are the only two options. Because when you're a child of the Father and you've been found and you were outside the family and you came home and you thought you were junk and trash and God suddenly helped you see, oh my gosh, I'm invaluable. I'm so important. I'm so loved. 
And now I want everybody I care about to understand that because they were made for the same relationship with God that I have. And I won't rest till they come home. To know the Father is to be on mission with the Father. God's heart becomes our heart and God's mission becomes our mission. Because reconciling with lost children is what God is all about. Now, one of the most famous sections of scripture, Jesus reinforces this. In John 3, it said, Jesus said, for God so loved the world, right? For God so loved you, he sent his son, right? He gave his one and only son. Why? So that you could have what? Everlasting life with him. And then verse 17 says this, he sent his son into the world. Not to condemn it, but to save it. Look at those two verses. God loved the world and he sent his son. Why did God send his son? Because what? He loved the world. And this is the deal. If you're not on mission with God, it's because you don't understand the love of God fully. And maybe God wants you to understand that today. He's like, I want you to see my heart afresh. Because if we don't understand the deep love God has for us, we will not share his deep love with others. God's a missional God trying to bring his children home. And the good news is God's already working around us. You know, God's working all around you through the Holy Spirit. When, I, uh, when we started our church, I, uh, I realized this. God wanted to teach me a lesson. He taught me a beautiful lesson. And I, I want to share the story with you. Uh, we had 25 people in our backyard. We had not yet started doing Sunday services. It was at the very beginning of the church. And we were meeting. We were praying. We were studying scripture. And uh, it was 6.59, we had a 7 o'clock meeting. I go running in the house, and Marcy goes, hey, can you go next door and get Alex? He's playing over at the Planks house. The Planks wonder what the Jesus freaks next door are doing, because they're like, oh, yeah, you know, this, well, there's cars all over the neighborhood. It's, we're, playing, we're playing guitars in the backyard. There's all this cool stuff. I go running up to the door, and, um, and I go, and, and John Plank, he's a software engineer by day. He's done very well. And he's in a classic rock band by night. Band's called Full Load. <laughs> and he's on a, you know, he's rocking. I'll go, hey, John, I just got to get Alex for a second. Because Christine is inside and Alex is inside. And he goes, you know, uh, I don't pray much. John's not saved. John's not a part of anything with us. I'm on a mission, I'm trying to have a meeting. And, uh, he, and I said, that's okay, John. Most people don't pray much. Because <laughs> I'm trying to get my son and do my meeting. I'm on my mission, not on God's mission at this point. Are you starting to track me? He goes, I said, so that's okay, John. Most people don't pray much. Hey, can I open the door and yell inside? Hey, uh, Christine, Alex, come on out. And John says, you know, but uh, I've been praying in my, for the last two years in writing in my journal that if God's real, he'd show me. But God knows how shy I am. Every time I think about going to church, I just, I get scared and I don't go. And he goes, so God moved to church as close to me as he possibly could. <laughs> You guys moving here is a sign from God. And 
12 weeks later, John accepted Christ. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, you can clap. That's all right. We had just moved back into that neighborhood. How long had John been crying out to God? God's, God's, you, you're worried about having conversations with people. God's gone way before you. God's preparing them. God, the Holy Spirit's working and preparing people. And he has so much joy when his children come home. So what does God want us to do? If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to know some things about yourself. The first thing is this. You're made in the very image of God. Every single person in this room, would you look at the person next to you and said, you're made in the very image of God. Look at them and tell them that. Come on, come on. Don't be afraid. And if you've come to faith in Christ, you've become a child of God. And when we put our trust in Jesus, we, we're, we come back, we come into his family. And your purpose, because you have a purpose, is the mission of God. And I have a purpose. And this is your now life purpose, is the mission of God. As image bearers and as uh, children of God, we now share God's heart and we go on mission. His heart is our heart. His mission is our mission. We join God on God's mission. And this last piece of truth is repeated over and over and over again in the Bible. Jesus said to his followers, the father was seeking and saving his lost children. He sent me his son to seek and save the lost. And then he says, as the father sent me, so send I you. If you're my follower, I'm sending you now. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Go and make followers of me. Baptizing them. And, and that first part about baptizing them, we're going to celebrate that today. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. yeah. And baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality that I put my faith in Christ and I'm identifying myself fully with, with God. Jesus said in Acts 1-8, you're going to go be my witnesses. You're going to tell other people what I've done in your life and you're going to trust that I'm going to work in them. If we're Jesus followers, we're going to obey him and follow him on mission. But how do we do that? How do we do that? We bless people. See, this is the thing. This is how we help the world know that God is a loving God. Bless means this. Blessing means you pour out goodness and grace on someone. I want you to imagine a big chalice and it's filled with goodness and grace. Goodness is every good and beneficial thing you could receive from somebody is you're receiving it when they bless you. Grace is this cool word that means what? Favor. You know what it means? Unearned favor. Undeserved favor. That Imagine if you could pour favor out on somebody and goodness and mercy and loving kindness like, like a cup. And imagine that cup being poured over your head and it's electrifying and all. You just feel fully alive and clean and energized and, and, and just so grateful. You feel blessed. Right? And that's what God tells us to be a conduit of his blessing to others. And so I want to give you five ways you can bless people and help them move toward Christ. And we're going to use that acronym of bless. First is we begin with prayer. You start praying for people. I want to encourage you next week, I think you're going to start with make, that you, you were made for this and you're going to begin with prayer. All, all the powerful ministry in the world starts with prayer. When we seek God, he starts to do things and move in people's lives. Start making a list. I want you to think of one or two people right now who are far from God who you can pray for. I want to do ministry in this service. I want you to be praying for them, that God would be touching their heart even right now. 
L stands for listen with care. I just found this fascinating piece of research uh, from on human psychology. And guess what um, the research found about listening? Listening, when someone listens carefully, it's the most closely identified activity with someone feeling loved. You want to feel loved, you want to give, show love, you ask questions and, show, and listen to someone and be interested in their life. Tell me your story. When's the last time? So think about your friends who are far from God. Just, hey, how you doing? What's really going on in your life? And just listen. Don't talk. Listen. People are so hungry. It's why we have such a lonely country. And E is for eat together. If, if I get invited over, if you invite me over to your house, what is that a sign of? You care. Welcome. What else? Relationship. It's, and you know what? In the, old, in the um, New Testament, when we were talking about Jesus' time in the Old Testament, you only invited a friend to your table. It was a sign. It was an invitation of friendship, relationship, intimacy, eating together. It, one of the things is a powerful, powerful ministry. That's why we, we come and we do communion and we call it what? The Lord's supper or table because we gather as God's family around the table because we're family and we eat and we drink worshiping the Lord Jesus. S is for serve with love. Think about the people around you and what's an act of service you could do for them. If you think about the couple of people you're thinking of, what could you do for them? And then the last S is share your story. You don't have to tell someone and give everybody every reason why there's a God and why you believe in him. You just say, look, this is what Jesus has done for me. I just want to tell you, I used to feel um, so uh, disturbed and broken. And I, Jesus, I forgave me. I feel forgiveness. I feel a weight off of me. I have new life. I feel purpose. I feel loving. And, and I used to feel so selfish all the time before. And I, I feel much more loving. You tell your story. Tell what the Lord has done. I want to tell you, I want to close with a story about a, a woman who lived across the street. So one of the things we try to do in our church is make a tic-tac-toe board. You know, the Bible says, love your neighbor. How do you know your neighbors? How, it's hard to love people you don't even know. I was very convicted by this. I thought, I don't even know these, half these people. Uh, so we made a tic-tac-toe board, put an X in the middle, and every week we tried to do one thing for our neighbor. The first week was learn everybody's name. The second week was we were going to pray for them. The third week is we had a barbecue, like a neighborhood barbecue, and just said, hey, would you, we would love to have you come over and eat. The fourth week was, can you do something good for your neighbor? And um, a lady across the street, is, her name is Mary Jane, and, uh, and I have a friend who is, says, I never want a microphone. I don't like talking to people, but he's this evangelist. He's like Andrew the Bringer. And he, he's, he's a handyman. He fixes people's houses. And he went over to Mary Jane's and said, I heard you have a problem with your step. She had some mobility issues. She had a, a broke her hip and had to have her stairs fixed. And so Jamie went over there to fix her stairs. You know, she kept hiring him over and over again for the next two years. She was a well-off woman. Consumer Price Index, she was part of the Brain Trust, but she was a miserable woman. And, um, and she called me on the phone one day, and we were, this is a couple years in, and I run across the street, because the only time she called me is because she was having a medical emergency. So she's like, Alex, you ever see Roz on Monsters, Inc.? Wazowski, I got my eye on you. That's exactly how she talked. I think they used her for that part. 
And um, so, Alex, can you come over here right now? I'm going, oh, yeah, Mary Jane, I'll be right there. I run over there. I knock on the door. Mary Jane, you there? She goes, ah. I go, okay. I go in there. I'm, I'm thinking she's on the floor because I've had to pick her up before because she'd fallen. And she's sitting at her table and she goes, here. And I go, what is it? She goes, here, take this. And I go, I take it and it's a check. We had just started getting ready to uh, move, buy our first building. We hadn't even started yet. And she said, that's a check for your new building. She said, every good person I know comes from your church. You must be doing something right. And it's, I said, it's not my church, it's Jesus' church. She goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I said, Mary Jane, I, I don't, I, I'm so grateful for this, but I don't want your money. I want, I, I want to see God in your life. And I just said, you know, we're doing a Christmas, um, we're having a Christmas uh, uh, performance with our kids, and the, the kids who live next door, the Bullocks, were part of our church, and they were taking care of her dog when she had her hip surgery and everything else, loving on her. I said, you know, Sarah's singing that. What would be awesome if you could hear, come and hear Sarah sing, that would be, she would love that. She goes, hell no, I'm not going to that. Any, and then she said some other stuff. <laughs> The, 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 the place will set on fire and the roof will cave in. I don't know why everybody thinks their church goes on fire when they go in when they're, I don't know why that's a thing. And she said, damn it, I said, take it. And so now I'm like in a quandary. I go, thanks so much, Mary Jane. And here's the thing. I walked out of that house going so sad because it was like five years. This had been five years, six years of loving on her. I thought, I bet the first time she comes in our church is when I do her funeral. And the other striking thing was someone who didn't even believe in Jesus was the first person to give toward us having a building, which was like pretty cool. <laughs> this is uh, almost a year later. I'm, I'm in the lobby and we had uh, two services and I see Mary Jane stumping up to the door like this. On, she had her cane. Arr! and it's freezing outside and she always takes her dog everywhere and I say, Mary Jane, what are you doing here? (laughs) Just in case you think you're not qualified to be an evangelist or help people know Jesus. I got so many stories. And so I go running because I think she's she's having a crisis because again, we've helped her with a lot of health problems. I go to the door, I go, I didn't say welcome. I didn't say I'm glad you're here. I said, Mary Jane, what are you doing here? She goes, oh, that damn Jamie. And I said, what did Jamie do? She said, ah. <laughs> she comes into the building, and Jamie had been like loving on her work and taking meals to her, her and, her, him and his wife. And she said, I, I went to pay him, and he said, Mary Jane, I don't want your money. If you would just come to church one time, I'll never ask you again. But for me, would you do it? And she said, that damn Jamie. (laughs) And so she goes into our service and we have earplugs at the door because we jam really loud, right? And so we open the door and all of a sudden the music hits us and she's like, ah! (laughs) I'm like, like, Jesus, this is the worst day ever for her to come. So we take her in the lobby, we we watch it on the screen and um, 
And I thought, oh, dear Jesus, I, I know you're in control, but it feels like we're out of control right now. <laughs> From that day on, Mary Jane attended that church more than me. And she gave her life to Jesus. And it happened because people blessed her over time. And today she's with the Lord. She passed away a couple years ago and we had a beautiful service about how much God had changed her life. But I want you to know something. It takes the whole church to reach people and God can use you and God wants to use you and he wants to help you reach people. So as we close, we're going to pray and I'm going to ask you to stand with me, all right? And I'm going to give you three things as we close out. The first thing is this. Think about, I want you to pray for God's heart. For the people around you who don't know Jesus, I want you to write that down. I want you to begin praying today. Please, would you join in this? And the second thing is, will you commit to be a blessing? I want you to think of the one or two people that you talked about and I want you, uh, that you wrote down, and I want you to write down their names on your bulletin who don't know Jesus. And would you commit to be a blessing to them and do something for them this week? And the last thing is this. Will you commit to coming the next five weeks and learning how God can use you to make a difference in people's lives? We're going to pray. We're going to pray two prayers. One is if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to pray that you would help, you would do these things right here. But you may be here today and you're realizing, oh, I'm like that guy Zacchaeus. I'm looking for Jesus and I realize Jesus has been seeking me and Jesus sees me and Jesus loves me and Jesus knows my name and he's inviting me right now. And if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. It's not about a prayer. It's about you inviting Jesus into your heart to take over your life and to transform you and forgive your sins. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful. We, we just want to confess that we didn't understand your love to the depths that we understand as we read your word here today. God, you lost something. You lost us and you want us back and you, you're pursuing us because you love us. You want to be reconciled to us. And Lord, we see your heart and your mission and we're in awe of what you've done to bring us to yourself. And for those of you who are here and you realize that God is calling you and you're, you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, I just want you to pray silently with me. Lord Jesus, Thank you that you love me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've pursued me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you see me, and I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins. I'm surrendering my life to you now as the one who saves me and be my savior, and the one who directs my life and leads me, and I'm asking you to be my Lord, and I'm inviting you into my life. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to follow you. In Jesus' name. And Lord, for the rest of us, I pray that you would help us now to realize that you have blessed us in order to be a blessing and help us to join you on your mission. And I pray, Lord, that the result would be hundreds of lives being changed and impacted by your love, starting with ours, that you'd fill our hearts with your love through your Holy Spirit and would overflow and touch our marriages and our families and Salt Lake City and Utah to the ends of the earth, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Thank you, everyone.